Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1127 of the Juicebox Podcast. My guest today, Deborah, has two young boys. Her youngest, Jack, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was three years old. There's some Hashimoto's in the family. Looks like Jack is using Dexcom with the Ipsomed pump and a little DIY algorithm stuff going on here. Ooh, there's a lot going on here. You'll enjoy this one. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. When you place your first order for AG1 with my link, you'll get five free travel packs and a free year supply of vitamin D. DrinkAG1.com slash juicebox. Don't forget to save 40% off of your entire order at CozyEarth.com. All you have to do is use the offer code juicebox at checkout. That's juicebox at checkout to save 40% at CozyEarth.com. If you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series, it runs between episode 1000 and 1025 in your podcast players. Apple subscribers get those episodes ad-free. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by U.S. Med. USMed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. U.S. Med is where my daughter gets her diabetes supplies from, and you could too. Use the link or number to get your free benefit check and get started today with U.S. Med. I'm Deborah, and I'm the mom of Jack, who is five and has type 1 diabetes. And I have another son, Harry, who is turning eight on Sunday. Jack and Harry. Jack has diabetes. Yep. Okay. Harry is eight. How old was Jack when he was diagnosed? Three. And how old is he now? Five? Yeah. Okay. Do you have any autoimmune issues? So my brother-in-law has Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. And my nephew has congenital hypothyroidism. Oh, so we can blame your husband. That's good for your mental health. <laughs> well, the um, nephew is on my side. Oh, never so mind. We're both to blame. <laughs> uh, does it surprise you to hear that you look like you? There's no way you have two children. Yes, thank you. Really? I don't get to yeah. see people very often, but if you told me you were in, I don't know, high school your second year of university i'd be like that makes complete sense why do you look so young i have no idea because you all know i've not slept in the last two years so. <laughs> are you telling me you looked better 24 months ago i really did oh my gosh that's amazing do people in your family look young well they, they would like to think so yes <laughs> i would like to think so too someone told me on my birthday my birthday was the other day and that was not me trying to get you to say happy birthday to me my birthday was the other day and i was getting a lot of texts which is lovely, and uh, notes online. And somebody said to me, how old are you? You're much younger than me, right? And that person was like 47. And I thought, like, no, we've known each other a while. You know, I'm like, no, no, that's ridiculous. I'm like, I'm older than you. I'm 52. And she's like, no, that's not right. Like, I wasn't even sure if you were in your 40s. I was like, oh, this is wonderful. But it, it, inevitably, it's, it's, it's really wasted because I'm married and 
I'm assuming Kelly just looks at me and she's like, oh, it's that guy that won't leave my house. So um, anyway, uh, all right, let's figure out a little bit about Jack's diagnosis. You were, how? How did you figure it out? So Jack was at nursery at the time. And in the days leading up to his diagnosis, we noticed he was going to the toilet more often. And I actually put a timer on my watch and noticed that it was every half an hour. In the busyness of life, I didn't really think about it again. And then a couple of days later, the nursery called to say that Jack was quite lethargic. And again, didn't think much of it. It was only, I think it was a Wednesday morning, he woke up and said he had an earache. He was pulling at his ear. And so we thought, okay, we'll take him to the GP and get him some antibiotics. And it was actually my mum who took him because I was working and still work full time. And I said, mum, when you're there, can you ask them to take a urine sample? Because I noticed he's been going to the toilet more often. And the GP said when they took the urine sample that there was sugar in his in his urine not to worry but to go to A&E to find out what's what's going on when we got there my husband went to meet my mum and they took a finger prick I think his bloods were 26 which is by your standards 475 okay how long did you think this was going on oh not long it can't have been long weeks because he wasn't ill, he didn't go into DKA, he was he was fine. And why days went by between the thirst and and some regression and bedwetting that we just thought for a three year old this isn't unusual. Right. I, I, I'm I don't mean to cut off your story, but A and E Accident and Emergency okay. ER. Emergency accident and emergency. Okay. That makes sense. It's not a great TV show, though, A&E. Or, oh, wait a minute. On British television, is there a show called A&E that's at a hospital? Because hospital shows are very, very popular. We have a show called Casualty. Oh, how horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Do they wear the funny fireman hats? You wouldn't think they were funny. You would think they were fireman hats, I guess. You mean the scrubs? No, no. When the firemen come in, did they have like, do you know that the hats that firemen wear in England are different than the hats that they wear in America? I did not know that. They are. I don't know why. It's a design choice, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. We know all kinds of stupid stuff that I'll be saying as we're talking today. (laughs) That mostly I know from the internet and television. Uh, Okay. So I'm going to guess you're not in the hospital very long, but it was also during COVID? Yes. October 21. How did that go then? What did they do? So we were behind masks as everybody was and the masks stayed on all throughout the time we were in hospital. But I would say other than that, we were coming towards the end of COVID. So Mm. there wasn't really anything other than testing him for COVID of which he was negative. It was, I mean, we were too consumed in understanding what type one was all about to really notice covid okay do they move you into the hospital i assume yeah so you go into the triage room to get assessed right 
and then they move you up to the ward when you're when you've been diagnosed or where they know what's going on and that's where we were for five days five days okay now do they educate you there or is this about stabilization so they do educate well they educated us there because Jack was stable he hadn't gone into DKA so what happens is the days that pass you're met with a nurse a consultant a psychologist who try and give you a whistle-stop tour into what your life is going to be like right yeah um how did you find that experience extremely overwhelming mm-hmm. i am a note taker and i remember the nurses saying everything that you're writing down is in the blue folder that i've handed you and i had to keep explaining to them that actually i need to take my own notes so i remember um whilst also dealing with jack's condition having to justify how I remember information I I, I thought you were going to say explain mine <laughs> but <laughs> that's and and your husband's taking in the information differently so my husband was actually at home at the time because... I mean yes he does take information differently but mm-hmm. he wasn't there for the meetings he was at home looking after looking after Harry and so he came and went as he could um to so it felt to you like this was on you you're gonna have to understand it and you're gonna have to pass it on to somebody else did did that help you yeah i think so i think um as 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 most people who listen to this podcast will know you find your kind of type one community don't you and actually the people who i speak to we talk about the fact that in those of us in a relationship, one of you takes complete control of everything and teaches the other one in most cases. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that both go in kind of and roll up their sleeves from day one uh, because, it. I mean, again, it depends on the dynamic of the relationship. It worked well for us and worked well for me to be armed with as much as I could. Right. Diabetes comes with a lot of things to remember. So it's nice when someone takes something off of your plate. U.S. Med has done that for us. When it's time for Arden's supplies to be refreshed, we get an email. Rolls up and in your inbox says, Hi Arden, this is your friendly reorder email from U.S. Med. You open up the email, it's a big button that says, Click here to reorder, and you're done. Finally, somebody taking away a responsibility instead of adding one. U.S. Med has done that for us. An email arrives. We click on a link, and the next thing you know, your products are at the front door. That simple. usmed.com slash juicebox, or call 888-721-1514. I never have to wonder if Arden has enough supplies. I click on one link, I open up a box, I put the stuff in the drawer, and we're done. US Med carries everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Libre 3 and the Dexcom G7. They accept Medicare nationwide, over 800 private insurers, and all you have to do to get started is call 888-721-1514 or go to my link usmed.com slash juicebox. Using that number or my link helps to support the production of the Juicebox podcast. Yeah, I think about it, like, I mean, if you're... I guess, lucky enough in this situation to be two very like-minded people, then maybe you can learn at the same pace in the same direction. But like Kelly and I don't think alike at all. And um, 
if if you made me learn something the way she learns it, I'd be confused and disoriented personally. And I and when I talk, I think she doesn't understand me at all. Like I I know this is odd to say because I communicate for a living, but the person who really doesn't understand me the most is the person I married. <laughs> so <laughs> like the way my brain works is just not it's just not how hers works. So it's just it's in I think it makes sense. Like for me it makes sense that one person absorbs it, comes to a you know, an understanding and then starts to parse it out. I think sometimes the problem you can run into is if you choose a person to to take that task on and then they don't get it, now you're really lost, you know. It's fascinating. I have to ask you because I'm just gonna wonder the whole time I need to get it out of my head. How old are you? Like I swear to you, you're not twenty six. Um, plus 10. Oh, wow. Good for you. Oh, it's lovely. Uh, actually, plus 11. Oh, maybe 12. Excellent. You are doing great. I Thank swear you. to you, I'm like, she had these kids when she was a teenager. This is what I'm going to find out. You're too kind. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I'm sitting here thinking, how do you own a home? Like, like <laughs> you're not even old enough to like have a mortgage, are you? <laughs> so, uh, and, and my other question is, do you pick Harry because of Prince Harry, or is that just the name you liked? A name we liked. Okay. Because now you say it, and when you're talking, it sounds like I'm watching, like, bad tabloid TV in America. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I think that girl's going to leave him. Not That's neither here nor there, but I don't imagine that that can last. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm right, right? You're yeah. right. Okay. I knew it. I knew what I saw. Okay, that's all. The healthcare system is different. So mm-hmm. how different? Are you concerned? Do you sit there thinking, oh, no, our insurance isn't going to cover this? Or like, what's the process around getting situated? Yeah, so thankfully in the UK, we have the National Health Service. So all medications are free. Mm-hmm. All visits to the hospital are free. So we don't have to take on that additional financial burden thankfully that being said I don't know how much of the UK press is reaching you but our NHS system generally isn't isn't great so things take a long time we are um, in talks about pay for our nurses and doctors which is causing strikes in the country so it's not it's not great but all of that being said the team who look after Jack are amazing Mm -hmm. and have made the process as easy as possible for us that's wonderful so as with anything else the people are the core of it and then when you get into the, 100%. the bureaucracy now isn't it funny we can't make anything work like <laughs> seriously like you have a job i'm not even going to ask you what it is right now picture three people you work with that you wish got fired yep they're in your head already and <laughs> you're like oh yeah that one that one and that one i could fire a couple of people around here uh, but there's it's just it's amazing that Everyone agrees what the goal is, and then somehow we can't get it accomplished. I do think it's got something to do with what we talked about just a couple of moments ago with the idea of like one parent figuring it out while the other one kind of lays back. Like there's just too many competing ideas, and nobody sees it the way other people see it. You almost need, isn't it funny? You almost need a centralized brain, but then as soon as that happens, one of those people becomes a maniacal like overlord. <laughs> and then you're like, 
well, we great, we put this one in charge, and he sold everything. <laughs> <laughs> he lives on an island now, we have nothing. You can't win. People, that's all I'm saying. All right, so you get insulin, but is it in a syringe? Is it in a preloaded needle? Like, how are you doing it? We're in the UK. We're not in a third world country. I didn't know. Did they give you a <laughs> stick and you have to break a hole open and dump it in? How does it work there? So Jack started on MDI. He started on Nova Rapid and Levermere. And we started an application for a pump that he got a year ago. So he's on the Ipsomed with Cam APS. Okay. And Ipsomed is, is that a tubeless pump? No. No. Which one am I thinking of? Damn. Uh, I'm going to pull up Ipsomed so I can say it. Did they suggest the pump for you or did you ask them about it? Uh, I, w- I would have left the hospital with a pump if I could. MDI wasn't great for us. Whilst we had pens that would give u- half units, they were too big for Jack. So we were just on a roller coaster from day one. Um, so I couldn't have got the pump sooner. What they did, what they were able to get for us is a Dexcom G6 straight away. So we left the hospital with a Dexcom. Okay. Thank God for that. Yeah, I have to say, um, the people at Ipsomed, way to not put a picture of any of your products on the main page of your website. Like, <laughs> way to really think it through. Oh, okay. Oh, this is the patch pump that, like, it almost works like G6, right? Like a, a, a bed goes down and then the pump clicks into it? Yes. That's I have it right? Okay. And that's just available there, and you can't get that in America for sure. Is that your only option, or was that just the one you went with? We were given a Medtronic option, mm-hmm. but I don't think at that stage that it was available on closed loop. Okay. Okay. And you are – wait, Ipsomed is, is a loop system? Cam APS is the app which speaks to Ipsomed and the G6. Is that a DIY thing? No. No. Oh, wow. That's cool. So you'll remember all the press that came out about the artificial pancreas, which Mm -hmm. annoyed most parents and carers of kids with type 1 and those with type 1 as well. So it's clearly not an artificial pancreas, but it was what seemed to cause all the press at the time. Yeah, it, it is interesting, isn't it, that the terminology, can you talk about that? Like, did it bother you hearing the words artificial? Tell me why. I think for us, the launch of the CAM APS slash artificial pancreas was was just before we got the pump. So here we were struggling with MDI, dealing with the roller coaster of highs and lows, thinking, oh, we're going to get this pump and it's going to solve everything. Mm -hmm. And whilst Jack's A1C has improved immeasurably, and actually the pump is great, it's clearly not the same thing as a pancreas. Yeah. I hate hate to say it like this because I uh, words matter. (laughs) just makes me feel like I'm, I don't know, I'm on a social media campaign on Instagram. But but, but I think words do matter sometimes. Like it's that, it, it don't offer me, relief and then have me find out it's partial relief just say it's an insulin pump and an algorithm runs it and it'll make some decisions but you might get high and low i know it's marketing though right like they need a word they need a word for it so um but yeah i I take i take your point about that also you're newer into this 
Like two years is a very short amount of time. Like you're still, I assume it's a raw nerve for you at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the, just so you understand in this house, if you turned on three different televisions and three different late night hosts were making like horrible jokes about diabetes and Arden was walking through the room, she wouldn't even notice. <laughs> she, just, <laughs> she She's in a different place where I imagine some people get to and some people don't. But um, I can remember in the beginning, like the thing that made me the angriest was what I call cure season. It's when all the researchers are looking for more money and they publish their articles about how they cured a mouse of some diabetes that they gave it three days before or something like that. And then anyone who hasn't been around it for a while is like, oh, I mean, I had, I swear to you, I sat at a desk, read a thing, got very emotional, ran into my bedroom, told my wife, I said, I can't believe how lucky we got that Arden was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes right before they cured it. Like, look, because these people just cured a mouse. And I, I really had that feeling. And I was overwhelmed with how, like, lucky it was. And my wife, who actually paid attention in college, like, you know, <laughs> read the article and she goes, oh, Scott, this happens all the time. Like, these guys are looking for money to keep their lab going. And so they have this article. And I thought, oh, how many people see that every day? And think, and it's so concentrated in like this kind of two month period where they all push this information out on the internet and like, oh, look what we're doing, look what we're doing, it's happening. I, I interviewed somebody 15 years ago, and as I'm talking to her, she is simultaneously saying the thing she's doing isn't really working, and we're right on the cusp of it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and now today her thing is in the exact same spot it was when I talked to her, I don't know, seriously, like 10, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that. Um, she's just trying to keep her lab open. And and I don't know that she doesn't really believe what she's doing, but you're throwing darts into the universe. You're not like, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not this um such a specific thing the way you want to believe it when you're reading it. So like, oh, well, they found the thing, they're going to fix it, like that kind of idea. And then I stop and think, I don't even as humans, what have we even cured? I mean, almost nothing. We like have inoculated people for things and eradicated stuff. But I mean, nobody's taken a pill and been like, oh, my God, my cancer's gone. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, it's amazing, like in the movies. And I think that's what people are, are hoping for. Um, anyway, sorry about that. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> I was explaining to somebody yesterday that if you want to make a podcast, you have to have the ability to shut off a portion of your brain and continue to talk. <laughs> <laughs> they said, what portion is that? I was like, it's the portion who has an expectation that the person you're speaking with will get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how does Jack handle it? I mean, he's three. Is it? Is it like resilience, resolve? Does he fight against it? So at the time of diagnosis, I don't think he really had a sense of what was going on. He was and still is glued to his iPad. So when we were in the hospital, he was just sat with his headphones on. All the photos I have of him at that time is just him in his pajamas, watching his iPad, smiling. I remember the first injection, he cried. And then the second one, he was fine. Mm. Um, I do think when they're diagnosed young, that 
there is the relief that they will have no memory of the diagnosis. The thing that worries me is how many more years he's living his life as a type one. Sure. Yeah. Have you, tough. Have, have you heard me say that? Um, I asked in the hospital, I was like, you know, what, what are the long-term implications of this? And the person said, don't worry. Like you don't see like bad side effects from diabetes for like 30 years. And I, and I thought, but she's, she, she's little, like, what do you mean? Like 30 years from now, she'll be 34. Like, is what are you saying? And, yeah. You know? And then it's not long. I mean, Arden's had diabetes. What? And she was like, isn't it weird? I don't really know the dates. So she was diagnosed in 2006. See, I just got her age wrong. She was diagnosed in 2006. She was born in 2004. So Arden was diagnosed when she was two. And back then, and I still hear people getting this advice now, they would tell us with no trouble, they didn't blink, high blood sugars are not a problem because they're young. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, for like long-term problems, they're young, it won't matter. And I was like, the other lady said in 30 years, like her eyes are going to pop out of her ears and her legs are going to fall off. Like, like which which one is it? You know, uh, she's young. And then I started thinking like, Wait, the body can just regenerate from like massive, like, no, that's not right. Like, you, you know, but, but a person said it to you, like a lady in a room and she has a clipboard and somebody hired her and she works at a hospital and, and she's telling me, don't worry about it. And the next person's telling me you really should worry about it, but there's nothing we can do. So just go for it. Like, and I'm like, what is happening? And mm. you, you would just think that's old timey, but I still literally hear people say it now. Like they told me, don't worry about the high blood sugars because they're young. Mm. Like, I, don't know what, I don't know what any of that and I means. Think, um, if I remember back to those days, those hazy days in the hospital, when Jack went to sleep, I went and found the podcast. Um, and in those early days when you're dealing with all sorts of blood sugars, highs and lows, and you're there telling me, that it's possible to get numbers in range. I must have killed you in my head many, many a time, Scott. <laughs> um, I, but I, I cannot tell you how thankful I am for um, retaining that message because I, I just, had you not told me it was possible, I don't think I would have worked as hard as I did to keep Jack's numbers in range because I just, like you say, the education you get at the beginning is extremely basic just to kind of keep the child alive. So when Jack was on MDI, the nurses would say, you know, don't correct until he's 260. So he'd have to get to 14 plus to be corrected. And you're there thinking, okay, this is normal. He'll have high blood sugars. They're better than low blood sugars. And thank goodness I found the podcast and was able to kind of see through all of that. Mm. Um, and when when he went onto a pump, that changed everything for us. You're not supposed to say nice stuff when I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> when there's no camera on, I can just like play it off and say something. But now you see me, I'm looking away from you. I'm so sorry. It hit me as crazy as it is because I hear you with your accent and the last three reviews that have come in for the podcast this week are from Ireland, Great Britain and Bahrain. Those are the last three reviews that the podcast has gotten. None of them have said you're a horrible person and I've killed you in my mind. So that's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like it's 
crazy to think like you're looking at me now. I'm in a room in my house. You know, it's not like I'm not at some podcast studio or something like that. And to know that it reached you like my brain's like, how did she even find it? Like, because I'm old. Like, I really am. Like, it's like, wow, you have an accent and you found my podcast. That's amazing. How'd that happen? And then people point out how the internet works and I'm usually more understanding. But like to know that the message is not just reaching far, but that it's needed in all those places. Like, I mean, really, there's a review here from Bahrain. Like, what the hell? You, you, you know what I mean? Like, that's insane. I'm in New Jersey. And how is it possible? that this information isn't just freely handed out by people like like in hospitals where you would expect it to be like why are you like 260 my god like i get what they're saying they don't want you to make him low he's little they're afraid you're not going to be able to react quickly enough but at the very least say for now until you understand how you're doing it better or until we're worried about a honeymoon ending or whatever like their real concern was like why not tell you that this is going to shift as time goes on instead of this idea of like this is like am i the only one that knows how to communicate with people that's not possible right like other people must know how to do it too you don't understand that in a pressure situation when you say something it's now law like mm. That's it. People's minds. I mean, the the example I always use is that I swear to you, I thought Novolog was insulin. For years, I didn't know there were other insulins. I was like, no, this is insulin because the lady handed it to me and said, this is the insulin. And I went, yes, okay." I wasn't making notes on a piece of paper, but I was writing them in my head. And by the way, when you drink out of a mug that you bought off my website, it freaks me out. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) But that really is just. It's such a simple thing. It's why I'll share with you, um, because nobody will hear this for a little while. And I um, I don't like to give away my secrets, um, because I know they're listening, Deborah, and they're copying me. (laughs) Uh, This really will be, honestly, will be between you, me, and Jenny. (laughs) So um, Jenny and I are going to make a Grand Rounds series, like aimed at doctors, to tell them these types of things. So we're hoping that that helps somebody because it's just, it's not right. I, I know it almost seems too like trite to be concerned with, but what you needed to hear was for now, we're not going to correct until this number because of these reasons. And as you get better at this and as he grows and as this progresses, we are going to change those, those numbers. And mm-hmm. here, and here's why. Like, for now, we're not going to worry because it's only going to be for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Mm. But he's not going to feel good at that blood sugar. It's going to alter his thinking. It's going to cause health issues. Like, I just think that if I'm going to die, and you know I'm going to die if I don't do a thing, but it's very unlikely that I can do that thing, I still deserve to know. Mm. That's all. Mm. I deserve to know still. And mm-hmm. I've just, I've spoken to too many people who have been diagnosed in their third, you know, like your son, uh, like my daughter. And then 20 years later, I'm talking to them on a podcast and they are blown away by the things they're learning. And it's, it's life altering. Like, it's just, you know, you've been living with a ticking time bomb in you and somebody has been telling you it's a teddy bear. And then one day you find out it's not, and it, it's hard to deal with. 
and you know that you can't necessarily tell the family all of this in that first meeting. It comes, it comes in waves. And it was actually where you talk about, okay, say your range is four to ten. Sorry, I don't know the um the, the universal numbers. Don't um, say so say you're starting from 70 to 180 and slowly you chip away at that number and suddenly your high number becomes or your the number you'll accept is 170 and then it's 160 and that's really what we adopted as a family is we didn't try to get the numbers to be perfect from day one we just chipped away week after week yeah it, isn't that just common sense like i know your football is round and mine is oblong but when when a when a quarterback comes into the league, you don't start with them throwing the ball eighty yards down the field. You go look, throw one five yards, see how that goes. If you can do that, we'll add some ten and fifteen yard passes, and then we're going to keep growing as you grow, and and tell them that that's what's happening. Like I'm not saying on day one be like, listen, the sugar is scrubbing you from the inside. You're going to have a stroke when you're fifty. Like I'm not saying do that. I'm saying they should know what the implications are. And they should understand that it's not emergent, like it's not it's not today that they have to understand it. But over the next six months, we are going to take you from here to here. And then once your understanding rises to that, we're going to adjust the parameters and we're going to go again. But that would take here. I'm going to be cynical. That would take um, planning and um, a level of professionalism that just doesn't seem to exist in the world. You, you know, because there's no, because aftercare is terrible, because no matter, I mean, I don't know how it is there, but I just spoke to a person the other day, uh, had prediabetes, type 2, their doctor gave them Ozempic, uh, it was working, and then it was time for the prescription to come back up again, and the insurance company said, oh, you can't have it, we gave it to you by mistake. So this person had a 5-6-A1-C but you need to have a 5.7A1C to be considered pre-diabetic. So the medication that was going to lower her A1C, probably help her lose weight, be more healthy, maybe get out of this pre-diabetes situation altogether, they said you can't have that until you're more diabetic. So once your number goes up and you get sicker, we'll give you the medication to bring it backwards, but we won't do it preemptively, even though you're literally at the door knocking. And um, I don't know, that just seems like that's how everything, that's how we think about everything, it, it feels like, around healthcare. And I know that's yeah. not a, it's not something that people don't know, but it, it impacts things like what we're talking about. Because no, the person sitting with you in the emergency room is not the person you're going to see next time. And so now this person's giving you emergent care, which is great, but nobody tells you. This is just mm -hmm. emergent care. I don't know. Yeah. It's very upsetting because it doesn't seem difficult to fix to me. Does it to you? I mean, we have, you have 10 times more knowledge than I do, but I do think living and breathing it every day, it's very easy to look back and say it should have been like this. And it's why actually I've, I've taken on a role as a parent rep for the hospital to join quarterly meetings to share my my thoughts because um the consultants the diabetic nurses they've got heaps of knowledge but until you've lived it you yeah. might as well know nothing 100 percent. that's amazing how did did they approach you or did is that something you found out about 
So it was a mixture, really. So we took part in monthly therapy sessions that was arranged through the hospital when we when Jack was first diagnosed. And I think as I came to the end of that journey and reached a place of acceptance, you know, I really felt like I wanted to give back to um, the families who would be at the beginning of that journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had we had a meeting, I think it was about a week ago. And um, I can't remember what the topic was. We were talking about finger pricking. And again, they brought something that in theory made sense, but in practice was completely different. And it was only when I described our own experiences, they realized actually there's something to be said there. Yeah. Well, so I think that one of the things that needs to happen, and I've done it with the podcast, and it's not easy to do, is you have to say the people I'm trying to help don't know what they need. And so you need a person who understands what you need to just lead with conviction. That that really is it sometimes. You know, like I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying that if you I'm not saying that the people who listen do exactly what I do. I don't think they do. I think I say everything out loud and people cherry pick from it. They like, well, this will work in my life, or I can make this work. And they do that thing. But you have to be willing to stand up and say, this is the thing we should be doing right now. It's leadership, like, right? You have to be able to say that because the people who are looking for leadership, if they knew what it was, they wouldn't need you. So you're in this bizarre situation where the the physicians, like you said, have all, all the knowledge and none of the idea of where to take it. Application. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a beautiful blend. but But in the end... If I'm going to be honest, when you're in those meetings, you got to at some point stop talking and just do it. Like, because they'll, you'll philosophize away a decade of, oh, well, some people say this and some people say that. And this makes people upset. And we don't like at some point you just have to say this is the direction. Hopefully we'll bring us along as many people as possible. So everyone's not going to make it. But by us standing here in action, nobody makes it. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It's how I think about it. Uh, but it's not how, it's harder here because that's not how business works. But you, you're probably not as controlled by that as, yeah. as we probably are. The example I would use is that if you, like I get a different look at the diabetes space because I know the other side of it. Like some of the faces that people think of is like, oh, that person's been around it forever, blah, blah, blah. Like I remember back when that person was sitting in a car with me going, I just got to get a job with one of these diabetes companies. I need money. And I'm like, okay, like trying to turn a blog into a thing, you know, into a living or something like that. Not to say that that person I'm thinking of is not a good person if they're not doing good work somewhere. I'm not just a lovely person who's sitting in this room waiting to help you. Like I have to pay for the things that you see around me. Like this is a business too. I'm just lucky enough that my wife made a good enough living that I wasn't in a fever dream trying to like make it work. And I, and trust me, a lot of the people, I only know America. Well, I know a couple from England too. It's not the point. A lot of the people who were in that position were in a panic to make a living. And yes, they wanted to make it helping people with diabetes and they're very well meant people. Like I've never met somebody who I've thought, honestly, I don't know any like bad actors. Do you know what I mean? Um, But it's still their focus is I need a job. And the companies that you deal with, sometimes their focus is like, we need clicks. We need people to buy these things. Like, I understand that. 
but they also have like a real philanthropic side if when you really get to know them. You need to marry those things together. And that's difficult because like of stuff we talk. I don't know how our conversation took this turn. I don't know how I wake up in different moods, Deborah, but um, you're like, I thought I was going to have a fun conversation with a guy from the podcast. And he's like, <laughs> we could fix the world if we tried hard enough. Anyway, I, that's lovely that you're doing that. How long have you been doing that? Oh, not long. Uh, a couple of months. Okay. All right. So do you have a plan or do you just go in there and like dump out your thoughts when they ask? So I don't have a plan, but we had uh, Jack's quarterly hospital clinic appointment this week. And the nurse who was in the meeting was there and said, you know, next time, make sure you're bringing some of these topics to the meeting. So we've got an issue at the moment where we want to switch Jack's uh, G6 to a Libra 3. Mm-hmm. So you'll remember with Arden, the Dexcom is massive for Jack. And he wears it on his arm and he ends up just knocking it off. Whereas the Libra 3 is a teeny tiny coin mm-hmm. shape. And there's an issue at the moment where the NHS haven't secured funding for the Libra. So we have to wait and lots of waiting around. And so part of what I can bring to the meeting is a human face to that. And the impact of yeah. having a, a sensor that's not fit for purpose Is the G7 not coming to England anytime soon? The G7 has come out. And we've also just seen that you can get the Omnipod 5 and G7 combined. However, Jack's Ipsomed Cam APS setup only responds to the G6 and the Libra 3. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, you've heard about Omnipod 5 with G7 already? Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, we've got families who are starting on it this week at our hospital. Not loop, not like do-it-yourself loop Omnipod Dash with G7. Possibly. Yeah, because G7 and Omnipod 5 aren't even announced here yet. And I don't expect it. I don't want to come off like I know something because I don't. But I don't expect it for maybe till towards the end of this year because... P-Slim and G7 is closer. I think Tandem has said they expect quarter three, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, but Omnipod has not made a public statement about it yet. As of this, so, re- yeah, as don't of let this, me misquote them. Yeah, as of this recording in July. So, but there is a way to use like do-it-yourself loop with G7 and Omnipod Dash, which is what Arden. Right. That's what Arden's doing right now. So, and have you ever done close loop with Arden? Yeah, she's using it. Yeah, I she, thought she's on DIY. Well, it, it is. I mean, it's a closed loop system, right? So, but she doesn't. She doesn't use one that's because I don't. I, I don't know much about DIY because it was never an option for us. But we went straight to an app that kind of did it all for us. We didn't have to build it ourselves, right? Yeah. So, what do you mean when you say closed loop? What is it? You're like, what are you saying? Like, so is is what DIY system is Arden on? She's using Loop 3. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't think those options are available here. Well, you can download it. You just would need an Omnipod Dash and a G7 I to see. use it. I see. I yeah. see. So it's completely do-it-yourself. Like, it's the codes on the internet. Like, it's not from a company. Um, it, so to say that it works with Omnipod Dash is 100% true. But it's not like Omnipod made it work with Omnipod. Like, people online did it. So, right. Yeah. Right. So, um, 
but yeah, she's been using loop three for like six months, maybe longer. And prior to that, she was using loop dev. They're just different versions of the algorithm that lovely people online make. But yeah, it's keeping her loop three boluses when you try to go high, takes away basil, adds basil, you know, like that whole thing. Um, pretty great, honestly. So the difference then between what she has versus what Jack has is Jack has closed loop, but it's all built into an app already. We don't have to build anything. From a company. Yeah, like that yeah. Ipsomed is providing that for you. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now, Omnipod 5 is an algorithm-based system that is provided by Omnipod. So they, they made it. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to hold something up for you. I don't know if the camera is going to grab it or not. Yeah. That's Arden's 24 that hour line. Amazing. So the bottom is 70 and the top is 120. So she's been over 120 twice, maybe in the last 24 hours, but she's been Amazing. super stable. Jeez. This is Jack now. Can you see that? I can. Yeah. Now so he's, he's just eaten. That's there's 9.1. Nice. Look at that. Isn't it amazing? The technology is just has moved this to a completely different level. I you know, I did an interview yesterday with um Jake from Omnipod or from Dexcom, excuse me. And we were talking about Dexcom G seven. And at the end of the interview, I I just said, Hey, can I ask a question? And he said, Sure. I said, At what point do you think you can scale this large enough? that the price can come down for everybody. Like, I, I think I actually said, like, this is great. This conversation's lovely, but there's going to be a lot of middle-class moms and dads and adults listening to this who can afford it and have insurance and et cetera. And I'm like, how many of these do you need to sell so that you can go to the business model? Because there's two business models, right? Like, you see it all the time. Sell a very expensive thing to a few people or sell a very affordable thing to a lot of people. And I'm like, when can we get to that? Like, so that it's not just, I wanted so badly to say white ladies, but instead, <laughs> instead I said, you know, middle-class people, um, like, when are we going to get it to everybody? And he actually gave a thoughtful answer about how that happens um, and how they're trying to get into type two space and how that, you know, ramping that up will help support the rest. Of, anyway, it's it's interesting to, to hear his answer, but it, it really is the truth is that, you know, and then once you make it accessible, it's on phones. So I have, I'm telling you all kinds of stuff. Nobody knows, Deborah, but I'm giving, <laughs> I'm giving a talk on World Diabetes Day in November at a, um, for a big children's hospital on the East Coast, right? And they offered me an honorarium. They were like, you know, we can give you, I, I, I'll just say, we'll give you $500 to talk at our thing. And it's just on Zoom. Like, I don't even have to go anywhere. And I said, I, I don't want your $500. Like, let's, what can we do with it that would be valuable? And the doctor said, well, I could use it to buy a phone for a kid who has a CGM but can't afford a phone. And I was like, yeah, do that. Like, please don't give it to me. Like, do that instead. But that was the first thing he thought of. Like, top of his head, right away, we could buy a cell phone for a kid who needs a CGM. Because the not having a cell phone is stopping the kid from using a CGM. And I was like, right on, do that, you know, please. But anyway, like that, so it's, it's, the scalability is an issue, 
meanwhile, while I'm looking at my questions for Jake and I'm talking to him, three different countries, when is it going to come to here? When is it going to come here? When is it going to come here? And like, you can see it on his face. Like we're trying, like, it's not like a thing where they're like, yeah, we'll get to it. It's they're working on it. It's just, Mm. it's not easy for some reason. So anyway, oh God. All right. So you are advocating on your own. You are trying to help move the system along. That's terrific. You have good um, ear for your son. He's doing well. Your husband came on board. He understood? Yeah. Good. Excellent. And your husband is Paddington Bear in my head. You know that, right? (laughs) I don't know why. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Those were not bad movies, by the way. (laughs) When he comes down the stairs in the bar. Yeah. uh, It wasn't bad. (laughs) Like for, for a movie about a teddy bear that's talking. It had gravitas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what else? Do you worry about Harry? Have you had him tested? We actually asked a clinic about the ELSA study. Here's what's interesting. They said to us, first of all, as you know, I think the, the siblings, are, uh, there's a 2% chance the sibling might be diagnosed with type 1. But they said that younger siblings are even more likely than older siblings. Hmm. Why is that? No idea. Just time? I couldn't even tell you why that might be, even with an educated guess. And so what we said, my husband and I, was we might have a conversation with Harry and bring him on that journey if it's something he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Because I think... The benefits of the study are if there's anything that's being picked up, it's picked up early. But I think as parents with kids with type 1, the moment the sibling is drinking more, is going to the toilet more, wets the bed, you are there with a finger pricker understanding what's going on. I think that's the biggest consideration, yes, right? Like that um, that you won't see it. It'll turn into decay. But... I'll also say that I've had I had prevention bio on the on the on the podcast a couple of times over the last two years, and they were making at that time a drug that while it was in testing was called Temizaplop, but as it went to market, it's called Tzeild now. So Tzeild is a drug that aims to slow down the actual onset, and it was bought by a big pharmaceutical company a few months ago. So. Uh, Sanofi owns it now. So they Sanofi just bought Prevention Bio. They paid a and and I'm going to look it up because I kind of think what they paid for it is a little bit of an indication to me about how much they believe in it. Uh this just happened in April 2023. I'm not going to find it. And I don't want to just guess it out loud, but I think it was like three billion dollars. Whoa! Hold on a second. Um, I'm gonna tr- now that I said it out loud. Now I have to find it. Uh, yeah, I was right. Uh, Sanofi agreed to acquire Prevention Bio at a cost of twenty five dollars per share in a deal valued at two point nine billion dollars. So they must have really wanted it. Mm. Is my thought. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know a lot about anything, but. Um, I think that you're going to hear a lot from them in the future about the need for early detection, testing, being ahead of it, 
because these kinds of things maybe could be really valuable. I mean, at the moment, they're not going to say that it'll hold off type one forever because that's not what they put through the FDA. But I've had two different conversations with them where you you can hear, I feel, that that's the, the hope and desire moving forward is that maybe you could get ahead of it and, mm. and, and put a stop to it. Not, not that we, that's what it's doing right now. We have friends whose son is on the trial here. Really? Mm. Is it? Is so he has, I think he has Levermeer and occasional corrections, but it's otherwise without insulin. It's a big deal, really. Mm. It, it is. I mean, once you have diabetes, it's hard to like say like, oh, it doesn't matter how much insulin, like I'm just doing the thing. But I do think it's a big deal to slow it mm. down, to just need a basal. It's the kind of, almost to turn the management into more of like, it almost feels like type two management, right? Mm. Yeah, like a little background insulin and not as, and so it takes away what? Meal insulin, corrections, low blood sugars that come from overcorrecting, like that kind of stuff. That's pretty, mm. I think that's pretty amazing. So I don't know where it's going to go and I'm getting pretty old, so I might not see the end of it, but. Um, <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. Will you come find me in the afterlife? Well, won't you be in British afterlife? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you won't be able to find me. <laughs> <laughs> we have family in New Jersey, though. Do you really? Yeah, Englewood. Oh, did they move from there to here? Yeah. Okay. I hit from here to there, yeah. Did they hate it? Do they not like it? They love it. Do they? I love yeah. New Jersey. New Jersey gets a bad rap, and it shouldn't, by the way. It's a lovely place. They're very happy there. Good. Oh, I'm glad. Um, what have we not talked about that you wanted to talk about? You have a list, don't you? <laughs> I have notes. <laughs> I think one of the reasons I reached out to you was because, I mean, my mum always says there's a book in me to write about my first, the first year of, of Jack's uh, type one. And so I wrote to you and said, wouldn't it be great to talk about all the things I wish I'd known, you know, during those, those first, those yeah. first few months. And I think, you know, one of the things that I would love all families to know if they had the, the ability to do so would be when you're first hit with this bombshell, just take a month off work, close the doors, bury down the hatchets and just get your head around it. I think whilst the doctors and consultants will tell you that there's a lot to get your head around and it's going to change your life, you don't really take that on board because you're thinking, yeah, 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 I've heard about type one, I've seen the kid at school that had a Mars bar, they had a few injections and it's going to be fine. I think if I could go back to that time, I wish someone would have told me, just take the time you need to get your head around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think you lost by not doing that? It took me longer to accept what was happening. Because in the moment you're just busy dealing with it? Yeah. Yeah. We made so many mistakes, as I'm sure you would anyway, if yeah. you were juggling all the things. But I think I just needed and wish I'd had that time. Yeah. I try to remember to say uh, that um, for years, I was very, very bad at taking care of diabetes. Like, I, I think it's important for you to know, like, as you're listening to this, like, because I could do it in my sleep now. Like, just no lie. Like, I swear to you, you could send five kids over here with diabetes and three adults I think we could talk for an hour. I could get everybody set up and they'd all just go living their, their lives. Um, but back then I was terrible at it. 
I was terrible at it. I was panicked about it. I was nervous about it. I was 100% sure I was killing Arden every time I did something. Every time I did something, I was like, this is going to kill her. Like, I know I'm, I know I'm messing this up. I saw her A1Cs. I, I was powerless to move them. Um, it, it was just terrible, like really bad. And I'm telling you this because then I'm going to tell you the rest of it. As I was a stay-at-home dad while I was doing that. So it didn't help me at all. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think that just not rushing and taking away the other things that have to happen in life all the time, like so that you can kind of focus and, and so that you can stop focusing at points too. Um, I do see the value in that a million percent. Are you in a better place now? So much better. Do you think that place continues to get better as time passes? Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, it doesn't get easier. You just get better at it. Yeah. And yeah, I think even the other weekend we were with family and Jack had been on the bouncy castle and ripped his CGM off. And there we were in the corner, just changing it as if it was just any old thing. I think that had happened a year ago I would have gone into a spin I wouldn't have I wouldn't have coped with the two-hour warm-up all of those things whereas now whilst I I still I think there's still a way to go I'm definitely much more accepting and much more confident with managing it how about your personality like are you nervous to begin with are you calm to begin with like is there a, a state of like what's your stasis like I guess I am a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> so diabetes and control freakness don't go very well together. So yeah, I think that's again why learning the things is re- is really important to me. Well, listen, the bookshelf behind you looks perfect. So <laughs> <laughs> it's doing that for you at the very least. <laughs> well, yeah, but... You know, isn't that sort of like anxiety? Like, right? Like, people are like, oh, I experience anxiety, but anxiety really helps you. Like, too much of it's debilitating, but the right amount of it is pretty necessary. And you will see a lot of successful people have a little bit of that, like, perfectionism, anxiousness to get something correct, stuff like that. If you don't drown in it, then that nature is probably valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Are you not, is it drowning you though? managing jack yeah like the and and the nature of it like feeling like it has to be perfect and that you're in control of the whole thing etc less so now okay less so now also because we have better control his his time and range is you know in the 80s whereas in the early days it was in the 40s or 50s so the fact that if there's a blip knowing that that's the exception rather than the rule Mm. i can you know i can accept that i can deal with that knowing that you know okay he's going high I put something in I'll deal with a low later I can that narrative when you've told yourself that time and time again you can cope with it better yeah it really is it's it's the experience like I I might sound like a broken record but you have to just keep having those experiences over and over just a really simple thing we all went out the other day and we were going to be gone for a couple of hours we weren't going to go too far from the house, but Arden was not going to bring supplies with her. And I just did. Like, I grabbed a little bag. I threw two Omnipods in it. 
and some insulin. And I put the insulin on some ice and because it's hot out because I don't know what's happening to the planet, but it's very hot here. Probably a global warming thing. Uh, <laughs> but um, I brought it along and we got home. We never needed it. And I disassembled it. I opened the bag. I stuck the pods back in the drawer and I put the insulin back in the refrigerator. I think the whole process took 45 seconds on either side of it. But I will tell you that I never thought about it. I just did it. But years ago, if we were going out years ago, I would have known I have to bring this stuff with me. And it would have felt like, I don't want to say a burden. It would have felt unfair. It would, it's that like, I can't believe that, that she has to do this. Like, not that I have to do it for it, but this is her situation. And that it seems so wrong and it's upsetting. It almost makes you sad and ruins the day before it even begins and blah, blah. And now I, I didn't have one of those thoughts. And the truth is, is that back then that wasn't true. It's just how I felt. It really does. It's like everything else, like repetition gets better. You you know, I know I'm the one that said, you know, it doesn't get easier. You get better at it. But I mean, that doesn't just go for diabetes. Here, marriage, it doesn't get easier. You just get better at it. <laughs> Painting a house, it doesn't get easier. You just get better at it. Like, like everything is that, you, you know, yeah. it's, it's not just diabetes. It's, it's living. Like you get better at being alive the longer you're alive, as long as you don't spend too much time beating yourself up about it and staying mired down and, and things that you could get past if you just allowed yourself to keep moving forward. So mm. I don't know. And you realize also that diabetes is our world. It's, it's it consumes us at times but there's things that are consuming all families and all people yeah. this is just our thing it's gonna be something no one is out there living some pristine situation that you know just gold toilet bowls and nothing smells weird and there's never hair on the floor <laughs> like, like, like it's just everybody's <laughs> everybody's living the same life you don't just see some people's and honestly health I mean, when your thing is health, I don't know. I, I could probably make the same argument about money, right? If you were, if you were in a dire situation about money, I'm sure you could make the same exact comparisons that you can make about having diabetes. And then, mm. to me, then, and then I try to imagine the people who don't have the money and have the diabetes, you know, and their situation is obviously worse than mine is, and mm. uh, and and all the things that come from also health is is the most important thing like it sounds obvious when you say it out loud but when you're living day to day you don't think of it that way it's obvious that we don't think about it that way because of the things that people eat that they know make them feel sick but they eat it anyway or the things that people do that they know aren't good for them like like just because something's obvious doesn't mean you can make it happen but at its core it's very center you know, just to probably say something that's been said for, you know, millions of years, I would imagine in one way or another, like if you don't have your health, you're, you don't have anything. So mm -hmm. when you're hit with this diabetes thing, it's imperative to figure it out. It just, it just is. And mm -hmm. if you have to take time to do it or listen to a podcast to do it or call your doctor 8,000 times so they answer your question correctly, there's nothing more important until you get it moving in the right direction, I think. I think that's what I mean. Anyway. All right. What's on your list? What else is on that list? Deborah, I'm interested. I, I well, I had a question for you. Oh, here about, we go. About Arden, which is, um, or maybe maybe some advice you can give 
families like us who want to make sure that Jack's always got a good relationship with his diabetes. We're going through a phase at the moment where he's saying, I don't want diabetes anymore. Uh, why did the doctor give me diabetes? And we're, you know, we're saying to him as as we've been advised to that it's okay to hate diabetes. You know, this is this isn't trying to fudge something that's not true. It's it's true that diabetes sucks. Deborah, um, how and, thrilled were you when he said the doctor gave it to him and not you? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, yeah, it was relieved. that lady. I swear to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually one time. In a doctor's office, I joked around with Arden, but the nurse came at her for something, and I was like, I can't believe she's doing this to you. <laughs> and I looked at the lady, I was like, <laughs> I was like I'm just going to put this on you if you don't mind. I, uh, by the way, I learned uh, very early on that the pediatrician, when something has to happen to a kid that's unpleasant, the nurse does it instead of the pediatrician so that the kid doesn't associate the pediatrician with a bad moment. Which I was like, that's interesting. But anyway, that's not what you're talking about. Sorry, I went on a flight of fancy there for a second. I, I just remember that my friend Adam going like, uh, I'll be back. The nurse is going to do this. And I was like, where are you going? He goes, I don't want the kid to see me while this is happening. <laughs> I was like, all right. all right. I don't know that it's a question that you answer with a sentence. I think that it's a mindset mm-hmm. and a resilience to stick to the mindset. It's... The ability to not martyr yourself, not to martyr your kid, the situation, you have to not to, you have to want to not be upset by it. Meaning you can, you can give yourself over into that kind of drama and start woe is me and yourself. And before you know it, you're Scarlett O'Hara and you know, you're getting the vapors and stuff like that. It's messaging, it's repetition, right? So I think we've always told Arden what diabetes is. We've explained it to her as an autoimmune issue. Um, As a 19-year-old, if she has other issues that seem like they're autoimmune-related, you know, she'll say things like, you know, she's like, you know, my bad luck that I have this, or blah, blah, blah. But I've never heard her blame herself. I've never heard her blame another person. She's not thrilled about it. You know what I mean? But she also doesn't bemoan it. And I don't know that that's the thing I taught her as much in words as I did with um, example, I guess. I guess it really is like a lead by example situation. And that's tough because you have to keep up your enthusiasm. Um, You have to quell your anger and your despair. And I am just generally speaking, one of those people who wakes up every morning hopeful. Like, I swear to you, like if a volcano erupted in New Jersey and I woke up the next day, I'd be like, oh, my God, I lived through the volcano thing. This is great. (laughs) We'll start over again. And I have a little bit of Groundhog Day in me, I guess, you you know, Um, but I also grew up in a situation where my dad was, you know, angry and there was a lot of yelling and things like that. And you can't just let it pile up on top of you. So. I kind of think I see diabetes as the same thing. Like if you let diabetes pile up on top of you, it certainly will, you know? So you got to wake up every day like it's not there. And I've had some moments, man, where I've been up all night, some nights, and then my alarm has still gone off in the morning. Like it didn't know what happened overnight. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, like, like, is no one on my side? I went to bed and I, I have gotten out of bed going, oh, I'm okay. Everything's fine. I've been asleep for three hours. You know, like, <laughs> like, like searing pain through your brain and you can't make sense of anything. And you're like, I'll probably I'll just stay alive for eight, I was, oh, 18 more hours. Can you try again? Well, Siri, what the hell? I didn't say Siri. I said searing pain. Jesus. Um, <laughs> and, you, and you're like, you're out of bed and you're like, well, I just have to stay awake for 18 hours. And then I can go to sleep. And but what if her blood sugar gets low again tonight? <laughs> and you're like, that can't happen. I'll die. And then you don't die, and you're like, ah. Oh. It, it it. But every morning, like it's. I never, I never went into her room and said, you know, I'm tired because your blood sugar kept me up all night. I never said. It's. I've never once said, oh, okay, well, hold on, we have to change Arden's pump before we leave. So everybody hold like it's never like that. It's always just matter of fact. It's like this is the job. We do the job. That that's it. And we don't do it like we're not we we do that job like we're being paid very well for it and that we're excited to do the job. Like this is and and I think that's because I don't see see it's funny. You said it's okay to hate diabetes. And I don't know that I'm okay with with that exactly. Like, because while Arden isn't diabetes, she does have it. She doesn't have any way to get rid of it. It does seem linked to her. Whether you want to think psychologically it's not linked to her, but it is linked to her, right? And so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if... I think you could wish you don't have diabetes. I think that you can hope that this gets easier, but... I mean, I don't know. Like, I just think of The Walking Dead. Like, you're on a planet now with zombies. So, act accordingly. <laughs> you know what I mean? No more strolls in the park. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Uh, like, so, so just this is your new situation. Make this, like, I don't want to say normal. I mean, I'm sure that's how some people think of it. But this is, this is, this is where we are. Like, I've been in so many different situations in my life. You know what I mean? Like, I've been broke. I've had two parents. I've had one parent. I've had times where I didn't feel like I had a parent. Um, there were times where I felt like I was someone's parent before I was. There were times we had no money, a little bit of money. You know, I think you can be happy in all those situations. I don't know that this is any different than that. Mm. Was any of that helpful? Very. Oh, okay. I can't tell. Because like I told you earlier, I partially go away in my head when I start talking. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think that it feels like people try to take their round peg and fit it in the square hole. Like, like I want diabetes to be the way I expected my life to be before diabetes. And I don't think that's reasonable. You know what I mean? But I don't think that it means that it's bad. It's just different than you expected. And why did you expect what you expected anyway? Was it a Disney movie that made you think that's what was going to happen? Right? Was it Harry and his little brother and those, those the kings and the queens? They made you think, like, it was all going to be exciting? Or, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, the same thing pops into my head over and over again. It's a country music song that I think my dad used to listen to in the 70s. Then the lyric was something like, um, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. I don't know what that <laughs> is. But that that, that is... Um, I think about that a lot when stuff goes wrong. Like, why did I expect that this was going to be this way? 
And why do I have the right to be disappointed that it's not like just this mm. is this is what it is. I can't get out of this. Let's be happy here. You have a choice, don't you, of whether to let to manage diabetes or let diabetes manage you? Yes. Unless you have a mental illness, you have a choice. And I'm being yeah. I'm being 100 percent serious about that. Like yeah. unless there's something in your brain that is stopping you from having what I would consider to be reasonable human reactions to things. If that's your situation, that's a different conversation. But for the rest of us, you decide. It's up to you. I, I, I use this phrase all the time when I'm talking about other people in our lives and my wife and I are talking about them privately. And don't judge me. You all do it. And I don't think my wife understood it until recently I explained it to her like a different way. I realized she wasn't taking me at my intention. But I think some people want to be upset, right? I don't think that they consciously want to be upset, I think that it's their, in their nature to be at odds with something. And I've used a number of different ways to explain it throughout time. But like, I'll tell you this, if you're married and you don't know that this is true, you're not paying attention. Um, but when you have a common enemy, you get along better. Right? Mm, when, you're mad at the, when you're mad at the school, when you and your husband are like, yeah, they're screwing the kid. You've never been in more harmony than when you have a common enemy. Right. I try to always have a common enemy with my wife. <laughs> like, like, so I'll even like, you know, like if someone's like she gets off a call, I'm like, that lady was nasty. <laughs> what do I care if she was nasty? It doesn't matter to me. It's not my job. It doesn't matter. But I'm like, I can't believe she spoke to you that way. <laughs> and then my wife's like, yeah, she was. And I'm like, right. Not me, though. I'm on your side, honey. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> Life is hard. I mean, it's hard and it's repetitious and it doesn't really pay you back except in the moment. I think what I've learned, I don't want to bum you out, but my mom died a couple of weeks ago. I got to watch her in her last two years fight with cancer and a number of different health issues. And when it was down to the last couple of days and my brothers and I were together and we were trying to make sense of it. And you're still like in that like fix it mindset. Like if we do this, then maybe this will get better and maybe she'll get to hear like that kind of stuff. I said to my brother, I was like, we're out of carrots and sticks. And, and he was like, what? And I said, I think life is carrots and sticks. I said, I think it's goals and you getting to the goals. And I'm like, mom's out of goals. Like, that's it. Like she's done. She, it's over. Her body gave up. There's nothing we can put in front of her that will entice her. And even if we could, she's still going to have cancer when she gets there and it's going to kill her. So mom's out of carrots and sticks and that's it. Like we need, this is good, like not good, but this is right. You know what I mean? And then I kind of took that thought and I've been thinking about life that way. And I don't mean that life is empty and you're just chasing something. I mean that life is today. Like, like your life is not what happened yesterday and it is not what might happen tomorrow. It is literally today. And tomorrow it'll be today again. And it won't be today. You know, it won't be yesterday and it won't be tomorrow. Like, this is it. Like, there's a million ways to say it. I might get hit by a bus tomorrow. Uh, I don't know what the future brings, etc. But this is it. Like, today you will have talked to a guy on a podcast. You will have helped your children. You will have made food. I'm assuming you'll straighten those books up one more time so your brain's happy. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. And this is it. 
if you died tomorrow, this was your life. Mm. And so I don't know, like in that rambling is how I talk to Arden about diabetes, like somewhere in there is that answer, which I don't know how to put into a sentence. And if I could, I wouldn't have a podcast. I'd have a t-shirt. <laughs> so you have that too. Well, I do have t-shirts too, but that, that, this one's not going to break down to like be bold or, you know, pre bolus or something like that. But anyway, I, and I don't even find that sad to be perfectly honest with you. That, that's been one of the real oddities of the last couple of weeks. Like, I can make my, myself sad about my mom. Like, I stopped deleting her voicemails when she got cancer two years ago, and I still have some I haven't listened to yet. Um, I could go listen to one right now if you want to see me cry. Uh, but, um, but I am not, I am not sad about my mom's life or how it went or how it ended. I think partially it's not because she had some like amazing life. It, it kind of sucked if you step back and look at it realistically, but she never acted like it sucked. So I never thought of her as like having that situation. I don't know. I think you can live with anything if you, uh, if you have the right attitude, that's all. Jeez. Way to bum everybody out. Deborah. Great job. <laughs> Do you have any other sad questions or was that it? <laughs> <laughs> No, no more questions. No more sad questions? Okay, I did not make a list. I apologize. <laughs> Do you think it would stun people to know that I sat down thinking um, this lady's last name makes me think of Barris Necessities, and <laughs> she wants to talk about how to be aligned with people in management and how to be an, like an advocate and help. Like That's all I thought when I sat down. And I knew you weren't, weren't from America because of your time zone. That was literally it. That was my preparation. I apologize. You live on the edge. Is that, I am, is that a scary idea to you? Yeah. Is it really? Oh, I, I interviewed, like I said, Jake last night from Dexcom and it was like 45 minutes before it was going to start. And I was like, I could probably cut the front yard before this happens. (laughs) I I got the mower out. I was like, I'll cut the yard. Then I'll go talk to Jake. And then I'll cut the backyard, and then I'll come in and edit the podcast. And and I sat down with him, and uh, I did have that feeling later. I was like, I wonder if this would make people nervous. And why, more importantly, am I not nervous by it? That's a mental illness probably, right? Like, why am I not nervous to talk to somebody and have it recorded and then go let a ton of people listen to it? Well, you're, have, you, have you recorded your 1,000th episode yet? I mean... Yes and no. So I have enough recorded that one of them could be the 1000th episode, but I'm going to make a 1000th episode. So no, I guess is the actual answer. Yes and no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think when you've been doing it as long as you have, I don't you know. can be pretty confident. I, I wasn't upset the first time I did it. I'm telling you there's something wrong with me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I sat down the first time I did. So the first time I did this in 20. 15, maybe January, 2015, might've been a little sooner than that. But like I've said on the podcast before, my intention was to like read my blog posts into a microphone, which obviously wasn't a good idea. And I figured that out pretty quickly. But while I was figuring that out, uh, this guy, Adam Lasher was all of a sudden on American Idol and he had type one diabetes and his uncle was Carlos Santana. And I reached out to him. And I was like, you want to be on my diabetes podcast? I left out the part where there wasn't really a diabetes podcast yet. It was just the thing I was thinking about. And um, he said yes. And so I sat down one night and interviewed him. And I've never gone back to listen to it. 
because it probably is awful. I don't know how good I was at it, um, but I wasn't nervous. And that I worries me a tiny bit. <laughs> anyway. All right. Is there anything else we should talk about? I did have one very quick one. Well, okay. It's probably not quick, but how do how does the U.S. respond to type one in educational settings? Are they inclusive? Like we have so many issues here with certain provisions not taking Jack because I think they just think managing his type one is just seems like too hard work. Mm-hmm. Is that the same over there? Yes, is my is my experience. And yes, is what I've heard from most people. There are some people who will say we've had like an amazing time and the school has been terrific. I also don't know what that means. Also, I think it was a dig at me when you said this might be isn't a fast thing. I think I feel like you were like, Scott's going to talk a lot. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but seriously, I, I think the problem isn't the educational system. I think it is exactly what you said. It's a new, scary thing that people don't want to be involved in. They do not want to kill your kid. Like, no one wants to be the one who makes a bad decision. And so they throw it back on you, and they say, you find a way for that not to happen. And we'll do as much as we can, as much as the law makes us. And then there are some people who go over and above. And I think that the over and above people are when you hear somebody say, oh, I have a great experience. I have a terrific nurse. Uh, Mm -hmm. My school's great, blah, blah, blah. Having said that, I still don't know what great means. It, it feels a little bit to me like when people come on and say, oh, I'm doing terrific. My A1C is fantastic. And I go, what is it? And then they go, oh, well, you, you know, it's 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 7.8, but I'm, it's down from 9, which is fantastic. You've moved it from 9 to 7.8, but you've said it's fantastic when it's not fantastic. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so I think that people, when they're happy with something, I think they say, it's fantastic. It's all subjective. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And um, what I would tell you is that you're not going to find a school person, a, a teacher, you know, a, a school nurse, an administrator who's going to understand it the way you are. And that's that's going to be it. So what you're measuring is their, I think you're measuring their ability to say, please explain to me what you need and we will do our best. And then for them to actually follow through. Now, if you're actually hitting pushback, that to me is fear. That's either it's legal fear or it's actual physical fear where they're like, we don't want to be involved in this. I've mm-hmm. seen I've seen both. I've seen yeah. I'm not making that decision. And I've seen I'm not doing anything that you can sue me about later. Like, like I've seen it both ways. And I don't I don't know that I I don't know that if you put me in that situation, I wouldn't say the same thing. If, mm. if I wasn't me and I didn't know about diabetes, you know what I mean? But so what are you, what are you experiencing? We've got a situation where one provider, childcare provider aren't prepared to take him on because it just, well, they'll, they'll throw me all sorts of excuses, but it feels like it just seems like too much hard work. Yeah, I would imagine that's true. We went to Arden, go to nursery school, preschool. And I had to sit in the parking lot while she was in there. So in order to give Arden a preschool experience three hours a morning, I sat in my car for three hours a morning and then came in and checked on her once in a while because they would not be involved in it. And if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have been able to find a preschool for her. When I got her into elementary school, so kindergarten, her first year, 
I tried so hard to get them to understand the nuts and bolts of diabetes and where things could go wrong. And, and, and that's all I was trying to do. Like, I wasn't trying to keep her A1C at five or something like that. I was just trying to keep something bad from happening. You explained it, laid it out, wrote it down. They ignored it. They were like, it'll be fine. It, it was that like, it'll be fine. Like, it was like watching someone smoke a cigarette going like, hey, it's not going to happen to me. Like, mm. it, it really felt like that. It If it wasn't for the fact, like, one of the luckiest things that happened to Arden is that when she was in kindergarten a little boy with a heart condition had an episode when they were supposed to test Arden's blood sugar before she went out on the playground and so they got focused on the little boy I can't believe I'm saying this was lucky but they got focused on the little boy forgot Arden no one checked her blood sugar before she went outside luckily I I was on a timer with them I made them call me and tell me her blood sugar before recess every day. And then I would tell them what to do before she went out. So I didn't get the call. I laid back for a couple of minutes trying to be like a human being, like not on the phone 30 seconds later going, you know, you didn't call me. But a few minutes into it, I called the office. I got forwarded to the nurse's office. She answered the phone. She was frazzled because she was helping the kid with the heart thing. I said, where is Arden? And she goes, oh, Arden. And then she hung up the phone and I was like, that didn't seem good. So I just sat there thinking, okay, like I put myself in her position. She forgot Arden. Like she's gutting. Well, they found Arden like on like monkey bars with a blood sugar of like 50. And that, that was enough of a situation where I could go into an administrator's office and say, look, I've been trying to explain to you what this is. You've ignored me. I was like, now today, we came within a couple of minutes of Arden getting dizzy, falling off of a, you know, a monkey bar, maybe having a seizure if her blood sugar gets so low. And I was like, and then when that happens, I said, I will spend the rest of my natural life punishing you in any way that I can think of, mostly legal. And I was like, or we could just do these couple of, I actually said that to a person in their office sitting across their desk from them. I was like, I will spend the rest of my natural life suing you, is what I said. Um, I said, nothing else will matter to me. I said, my name will be on this school. We will dedicate it to Arden. All of the money you make will come to me. I was like, I will do this forever and ever because you will have ruined my life. And I was like, and I will have no other outlet for the hate that I have. <laughs> and, and he's looking at me and I'm like trying to make my point. Um, and, um, and I was pissed, by the way, too. It, it, it was all real time. It happened to her. I made sure she was okay. Drove right to the administrator's building, stood outside of his office till I enforced him to see me. And so um, then they did the things, and then she was okay. So something bad almost had to happen so that they could get scared enough to do the things they were supposed to do. And that's mm. not going to happen. I feel like we, we're, we're suffering the opposite, which is they're too scared to take him not even there like you can't get him in the building mm. and that's you know, his age too right yeah is it is this not illegal yeah yeah <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> what, so what do you do who do you sick well on? well that's it i mean there are there are steps we can take it's whether we're going to take them to be honest i think they know that, that too like you don't yeah. you don't want to get involved in that i didn't yeah. either by the way like the last thing i would ever want to be involved in is some like legal wrangling. Like it's exactly. not, it's not something I have any interest in at all. So um, I think they know that too. 
I, it's almost like when an insurance company denies you for something, they're like, eh, they'll probably give up. You know? That's yeah. all. My wife does that to me. And it's interesting you say his age because I, I, I have every faith and hope that the older he gets and the more he can manage himself, the less we will be faced with this issue. Yeah. Oh, one of the most popular episodes of the podcast is the third episode where I just talk about how Arn and I manage things over text. Like, cause you will, you remove the other people from the scenario. Now they're just emergency personnel if you need them and they're not caregivers. It's really, to me, that's one of the things that kept Arden's kept me able to keep working on Arden's A1C while she was in school was that really we weren't involving other people or like these false limits on when she could be tested or when she could get insulin and stuff like that. Like we just did it on the fly. Um, I don't know. It worked out well. But. And congratulations on getting a child to respond to your text messages. That sounds like no mean feat either. She and I have the same personality, so we get along pretty well. So that that's pretty good. I have sent the, I don't know if they even have it anymore. You used to be able to send something called a find my iPhone sound to a phone you owned. And it's a horrifying noise. And um, it's embarrassing to children when they're in school. <laughs> so... Maybe once or twice I sent that noise and I got back. They're like, you can't do that. I'm at school. And I said, all you have to do is answer. And this will never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of that. Uh, and uh, mostly, mostly she is desirous of, of managing it and doing well. Um, and I do think there's, for some people, that, that's not as important to them kids, adults, you know, I got lucky. I could easily be on here talking about like the struggles we have because she pushes back against everything, but just, this is how this worked out. And, um, and I do think there's a way to get to it within reason. But I mean, if you're in a situation with your kids where they're just flat out ignoring you, like if you think that's a diabetes problem, I think you're wrong. You know, mm. I, th I think there's something else going on and um, it's showing up in this situation. So I don't know. Good luck with that. Nobody should have kids. It's a ridiculous idea. <laughs> They're very expensive and annoying. <laughs> it's the love thing that keeps you going. But, uh, you know, the rest of it's horrible. <laughs> it really is. Amen. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. Thanks for having a good microphone, too. I don't have to edit this. <laughs> Hold on one second. A huge thanks to U.S. Med for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox podcast. Don't forget, usmed.com slash juicebox. This is where we get our diabetes supplies from. You can as well. Use the link or call 888-721-1514. Use the link or call the number, get your free benefits check, so that you can start getting your diabetes supplies the way we do from U.S. Med. If you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. And get those automatic downloads set up so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. 
but everybody is welcome. Type 1, type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. The episode you just heard was professionally edited by Wrong Way Recording. WrongWayRecording.com.